0: This is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. On my show, I talk about fueling, training, and staying sober as a fashion model turned competitive athlete. Last week, I shared the story of what it was like being on the cover of Elle magazine back in the day and how that led me to my life now, where I run fast and far all around here in New York. But all of what I'm able to do now in my life goes back to one major thing. And that is my sobriety. So that's what today's show is about, or staying sober these past two and a half years, and more specifically, investigating what sobriety can mean, since it's not always about abstaining from alcohol. But before I get into all that, I have a quick announcement. Have you ever wanted to run with me in person? Live in New York City? Head over to the link in my show notes to register for a community run hosted by Fix NYC and yours truly on October 14th at 6 p.m. We'll do an easy three mile shuffle run, my favorite, where truly no pace is too slow. And then we can hang out and talk and eat some snacks and drinks afterwards. So come along and let's get some miles in together. Okay, on to the show. thanks so much for coming back to the show this is going to be a conversation about sobriety so if you're into that kind of thing if you're sober curious or if you're counting days yourself this episode is for you otherwise if you don't really care about that stuff go check out some of my other episodes about training or fueling or modeling stuff but yeah today we're talking about being sober I really put my sobriety out there. Um, a lot of you actually have found me from the post that I did through Tracksmith when I wrote about staying sober through the pandemic and how so much of the accomplishments in my life or my success goes back to that one pillar of staying sober. That's really what props me up and makes me who I am today. So much of my life unfolded when I made that decision 29 months ago. And I wouldn't be even close to where I am right now if I didn't just decide to give it up 100%. Part of that shift meant that obviously I had a rock bottom. I've explained uh, my story to getting sober before in the past. But as a quick recap, I basically um, hit a rock bottom where enough was enough. I did too many things that were Eh, not the best and before I knew it I needed to make a huge change and was like enough is enough I'm getting sober so on May 13th 2019 I started counting days which means I went to uh, recovery I basically started going to meetings around here in New York and yeah I got in the program as they say and um Part of the anonymity or one of the the traditions in the program that I'm in is that we don't really say what it is, but I'm sure you can kind (laughs) of guess what I'm referring to. But to keep that sacred, I won't say it by its name, but I think you can figure it out. So that said, I started going to recovery groups um, and meetings basically every single day when I first got sober. That was like the way to keep me in it in the very beginning when I was getting to one of the big milestones in recovery, which is 90 days sober. You basically, there's this concept of 90 meetings in 90 days where you just start going to meetings every single day for the first 90 days to get familiar and uh, acquainted with other people who are in the same situation as you or other people who are on this path to staying dry and abstaining from alcohol. So that's what I did and I just jumped in and luckily I found a home group, I found the the most supportive group of people that every single day I would go in, sit, listen to stories, share my own stories. And before I knew it, I was collecting that chip for 90 days and I had three months sober. My life began to take off. I started running competitively i started um doing i I joined a new really competitive team brooklyn track club i was in this training program with nike called project moonshot Uh, i started doing track workouts for the very first time in my entire life two and a half years ago and yeah my life just took off and i started to identify myself as an athlete so I stepped into this whole new skin a whole new identity uh began to truly confidently leave my modeling past behind and i was like you know what i'm on to the next chapter and i want to be a runner and go after this and see what I can do and maybe make some some moves there. And you know what? Sure enough, I got really good at running really quickly and that's because I gave my all to it. I put all the energy that I was putting into drinking and being out and undoing the nights before with like trying to figure out what I did and you know all of that wasted energy I directed towards my running and that's what I think made me you know, give it, give it my all. And I also started to realize that when you don't go out the night before, you don't have to undo as much and you can just get better and work on improving yourself. So I could set out for these runs and be like, okay, I'm starting down here at this level, but now at the end of this run, I'm going to be a little bit lifted. I'm going to be a better version of myself by doing something hard and committing myself fully every single day to the practice of running. So anyway, I learned as much as I possibly could about how to run. And before I knew it, I became a coach um, because I used all the tools that I learned to get myself to go super fast and break the tape at races and run these crazy times and even getting within reach of an Olympic trials qualifying time. I used all that knowledge that I had accumulated and uh, got my running certificate to become a coach and started coaching other athletes who I identify with and seemed to have common denominators with whether that means that they were beginners and I saw little bits of myself in them and wanted to give them the gifts that I've learned as a runner um yeah and it's like a way to like make the running less about me all the time and give it to other people and yeah I get a lot out of coaching so that said I, uh, the pandemic happened and meetings got weird because you had to only do Zoom meetings for the support groups for, uh, for, for recovery. And, um, so I wasn't really into Zoom and I kind of made my own community. Uh, I made up my own little method of how to stay connected without the in-person meetings because we didn't have that option over the pandemic so what I decided to do was to the the girls that I knew that were also counting days whether they were newcomers that had come to me over the pandemic saying hey I'm trying to get sober let's do this I made a little group chat sounds so simple but I basically made a little group chat on um, my phone <laughs> And every day or every other day we have this group chat going where well, we just these girls that are also counting days with me, we just check in and we're like, hey, it's almost like we have an ongoing meeting in just a conversation and texts all day long. And because it's a group, it's a it's a variety of kinds of you know, things that we're going through together. So sometimes it's like, hey guys, I'm going to a wedding for the first time sober. And you know, the other ones of us who have experienced that before can say, hey, yeah, like I know what that's like. It's really tricky. How about you step out every 30 minutes and give me a call? Even if you don't have have anything to say, just call me and just check in, check in, check in, check in. Because the check-ins are what makes you realize you can get out of yourself for a second before you decide to pick up or use. So anyway, so that was a way for me to navigate the pandemic and stay sober while staying connected because connectivity is really everything with staying on this path. So then uh, a few months ago, meetings began to reopen and we started to have these in-person meetings again, which I was so excited about. I couldn't wait to get back in the rooms, sitting around with other people and just Connecting, I feel like the isolation in the pandemic was just so hard. But then suddenly it was like as if the pandemic never happened. We're back, you know, obviously with our masks on and abiding by like the social distancing stuff and whatever. But like we're back to kind of how it was a little bit uh, before the pandemic, which is what kept me sober in the beginning. So it's kind of nice to be back in the rooms and hearing people's stories and stuff And I'm learning so much about how to stay sober because it's one thing when you're new and you're in your first year and you're counting days and you're counting months and it's all very like honeymoon like you're like yeah I'm on this path and like I don't know it's almost like you're enamored and excited about everything that you're learning for the very first time you haven't even read the big book yet you haven't even read I mean you haven't even heard. all of the different prayers and sayings and stuff that kind of have like our little mantras to keep you through, and it's just very exciting. And I'm not I'm not saying it's not exciting anymore, but there's something about the magic of that first the first time you hear these things. And um, so now, the pandemic's happened. I had you know over two years under my belt now. I'm two and a half months, two and a half years uh, sober, and I'm sitting there learning more and more every day about not how to get sober but how to stay sober and navigate the challenges that you've already been through like holidays or weddings or ceremonies and stuff but like how to do it uh when when the when the magic of it all starts to kind of like fade if that makes any sense so uh one of those things that i think is interesting is this idea of these blurred lines in sobriety of like well does this count as Being sober or not, and I didn't really think about this this much this stuff as much in the very beginning because I just knew I was abstaining from alcohol. That was the number one, and I think in general for me, that was just like the most important thing to get rid of. I was like, okay, this one thing, this substance, is not ever going to be something that I can do in moderation. This is truly a slippery slope. it it, like there's no such thing as just like one drink and things are fine it's like one drink leads to another and it just becomes disastrous for someone like me or an alcoholic so long story short um i i basically had to do my own research about like what things are accepted and what things aren't and i've learned in the rooms especially being back um back at meetings and stuff is these ideas of like well what counts as straying from your commitment to yourself or to be more specific is this a relapse even if it's not using alcohol and um, that's a really interesting question because we live in a world where prescription drugs are all over the place obviously people are prescribed things that they need and they take them but then there are other people who are prescribed the same exact thing but when they take it it becomes a problem because then they abuse it and use it in ways that they would have used you know alcohol almost as a replacement and so it's interesting to see because you know i think that prescription pill use abuse is actually on the up and up especially since the pandemic and um yeah just like navigating well what's what and here i'm not an expert and i'm not trying to act like i'm writing the rules of what's a- allowed and not allowed not allowed i'm just a person navigating this stuff just like you and i'm you know i'm very humble about my sobriety thinking I'm literally just counting days a day at a time and learning things as I go. So take that for what you will. But I will say that some of the things that I've gathered are when a doctor prescribes you something because you have an affliction, you use it as directed and you are the one who knows for yourself if you are abusing it. And so it's really kind of a question with yourself. And it's the same way when someone knows that they're abusing alcohol. Maybe out in the wild when I was actively in my addiction drinking with other people, people were like, oh yeah, that's just how people drink. Because you just have a couple glasses of wine, like no big deal. But I knew what the starting point and the end point was, even if nobody else saw it. And that's, that's what I had to come to terms with and say, hey, this is definitely negatively affecting my life and actually destroying my life and it's not serving me and even though on the outside it might look a certain way I knew for myself I was abusing alcohol to get through and it uh it was ruining my life so I think the same thing goes for prescription stuff so it's like if you're prescribed something and you use it as directed great but if you're abusing it and you know you are then maybe it's something to look into but then I think about this other whole thing, which is like the um, over-the-counter stuff. So for example, I'll give you guys a little story. When I was getting sober, um, I think it was eight months in. And I kind of had like a cough, kind of a cough. I wasn't really that sick, but I had a little bit of a cough. And I remember there was NyQuil in my apartment. And I looked at the label and I was like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this has alcohol in it or not. And granted, I had a cough. So I thought, okay, well, you know, it's it's not a big deal to use NyQuil when you have a cough. But I googled it and I found out that there's actually a lot of alcohol in NyQuil. There's like, that's like, that's part of what makes it like, what makes you knock out. So I did some research and I decided that I wasn't going to take it just to be safe. Because there's this concept of teasing the disease. So if you're, you know, disease isn't afflicted or an alcoholic giving yourself a little bit of the thing that you're struggling with or the thing that like the substance that you have a quote-unquote allergy to, something that they describe it as in the rooms, you don't don't know what's going to happen when you tease that disease. Even if it's like in the context of like cough syrup or something, it could bring out some demons. And so for me, that's why I abstain personally from things that have those kinds of things in your uh, in the ingredients. The same question. Oh my God! This goes. This question gets asked all the time. But kombucha is another one. Where kombucha is a fermented tea beverage. It's effervescent and it has trace amounts of alcohol, depending on the brand, Some have more than others. But people always ask in the rooms, is this something that um, would this mess up your sobriety or your day count? And um, some people say yes because it's got that little bit of alcohol, which they would say is you know, could lead to some kind of a little bit of a buzz, which might like trigger you. And, you know, if you're going to go all in with sobriety and kind of days, you wouldn't want to tease the disease. But um, other people would say, no, 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 it's totally fine. So it's kind of a personal choice. And at the end of the day, they always just say, ask your sponsor. It's a great um, thing to do is just like ask a person who's giving you guidance and um, make a judgment call for yourself because no one can decide for you what is uh, right or wrong in your sobriety. But another thing that I think is really interesting about um, sobriety is that it doesn't necessarily just mean alcohol or exact substances, like things that are like drugs on paper or chemical substances, but rather what um, what you're using to fill that void. So for example, you might be a recovering alcoholic, but then you get sober and you find that you're still doing the exact same behaviors with other things and i know for myself i definitely do this so i'll give you guys a completely transparent story and that's my struggle with caffeine i abuse caffeine like i did when i was an alcoholic but i've traded alcohol for caffeine since caffeine is not a mood altering substance It to me is not in the same family as um, alcohol. Like when I used to drink, my personality would shift and I would be aggressive and do like act out and not be my best self. When I do caffeine or when I drink coffee, when I drink energy drinks, it does something to me for sure, but it doesn't do that stuff. Like I don't ruin my life when I drink caffeine, but I definitely can identify it as something that I abuse in a way that I did when I was... It's like I've traded it and maybe the effects and the outcomes aren't as damaging as when I drink alcohol, but the behavior is still at the root of it. So I know eventually I'm going to have to address that stuff. I've tried in the past. It's hard. <laughs> I tried to count days against caffeine, but it's very hard. So, um, but that's just me being a human with you guys saying like, hey, you know what? You might get sober, but there are other behaviors that you might see happen. The same goes with food. People have uh, struggles where they'll get rid of the alcohol, but then they just abuse food and use that as the numbing agent. And it's this very common. So there's a term that I love and it's called a free lapse. and it's when you... Accidentally do something that is out of your sobriety. So you know it might maybe that is like perhaps you took a sip of kombucha and it happened to be a little bit fermented and you're like oh my god does that like throw me out of the rooms? Am I not sober anymore? That would be considered a free lapse. But um the I've I've had my own experiences with that with when I've had a day where I maybe acted out in a bunch of different ways and just I like even if it's like I didn't even abuse a substance but if I've just not if I'm just acting like a sober drunk and and mean and not um, and just self-absorbed and like all of my character defects are coming to the surface, that to me is a free lapse. And I'll be like, gosh, I got to get myself in check. I got to get to the rooms. I got to start like, you know, doing some service or check in with some fellows and like just be um, available for others because that takes me out of myself and makes me a better person and it makes me stay on the path more. <laughs> So anyway, that is my rant about sobriety and free lapses and how to just do this crazy thing. And I think I have to be honest, I, you know, I've had some struggles lately. I've definitely had some fantasies about relapse and I've thought about like, well, what would it be like? And I'm, I'm not going to lie and act like it's so easy. Like I wish that I could go out sometimes. But I walk myself through it. I visualize what would happen. And it's like that fantasy, that romanticism of that first drink. You realize, oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I just want to keep counting the days. And I want to stay in the rooms. And I want to be there um, sharing my story with people who are on the same path. And hearing how hard it is for them too. And how rewarding it is though in the end. Because our lives can change in such an amazing way when we're clear headed and perceptive to opportunities. That's the number one thing. The second I got sober, I was perceptive towards all of the opportunities that I seized, like getting a new job and starting a new career and having the confidence to go to track and aggressively attack my goals. So that's why I stay in it. Um, but it's not easy at all. So I get it. (laughs) I get it. If you're struggling, it's just like, we live in a really crazy world. But um, I hope that this inspired you a little bit to stay on the path and that you can either think about counting days or whatever you want to do. I don't know. Everyone's on their own journey. This is just my story. (laughs) So yeah, that's my show for today. Until next time, just be fast. Just win.